Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, February the 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Mondays we take a look at reading for the following Sunday, which just so happens to be the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. Now, what have we been doing during the Epiphany? The Epiphany is a season where Jesus illustrates and reveals that he is God. He does that through various miracles, like last week, many, many fish were caught in a boat when Jesus said, let down your nets. And before that, he changed gallons and gallons of water into wine. This is the season of Epiphany. Now, if there is one item that is really important for recognizing Jesus is divine, it would be his resurrection. Now, we make a distinction, and we've often done this on the radio, between historic faith and saving faith. To believe that Jesus rose from the dead is not necessarily salvific. For example, one could make a case that the soldiers who were guarding the tomb, also some of the Pharisees, believed that Jesus rose from the dead just as they believed that he raised Lazarus from the dead but they thought it was a trick of Beelzebub, the devil. And so they had no faith in the resurrection of Jesus. So when the Apostle Paul, and we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 12, when he talks about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, is he talking it only from an historical faith point of view, that it happened? Or is there something more that is necessary than just believing that he rose from the dead? So without further ado, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 12. We already know from this verse that there were people at the time of Paul who did not believe in a resurrection of the dead. He says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, we find this among many, many scientists today who are unbelievers. They can't believe that somebody can be raised from the dead. And so we're proclaiming the churches that Christ is raised from the dead. But as we're going to see, we're not proclaiming it simply as in his historic fact. There's something much more involved. And that goes on with verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ 
has been raised. See, that makes sense. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised from the dead. Now, is Paul simply just talking about the historicity of the fact that he was raised from the dead? For example, one could also say a lot of this about the crucifixion. Jesus was proclaimed as having been crucified. But is that sufficient? For, remember, there were two thieves on the cross. One of them, he heard the words of Jesus, came to faith, and what did Jesus tell him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, what did he come to faith in? That Jesus was being crucified? No. The other thief knew that historic fact. He was also hanging on a cross. But that did not save him because he rejected who Jesus truly was and the purpose of the crucifixion. In fact, we find that that was even true among the disciples. They believed that Jesus had been crucified. Then what did they do? They went and hid in an upper room for fear of the Jews because they thought they too would be put to death. Now, in reality, all but one of them, James, was, I'm sorry, John, was put to death as a martyr. But that doesn't mean that that was going to happen immediately. It happened in some cases years after Jesus had been crucified. So when we talk about this question I often give, if you believe that Jesus was crucified and that he rose from the dead, are you saved? And the answer is not necessarily, because we know the thief on the cross, one of them believed he was crucified. He saw him crucified. And some of the Pharisees got the soldiers to lie about the resurrection, saying that, well, his disciples came and stole the body. That's how much they did not believe of the true purpose of the resurrection from the dead. And that's what Paul gets into in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then what? Our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Now, what's he talking about? He's not talking about that they preach that Christ just rose from the dead, nor does your faith have to believe he just rose from the dead. What else is there involved in preaching? As we did in yesterday's sermon and every sermon, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead preaches the forgiveness of sins. There is a promise connected to his crucifixion. There's a promise connected to his resurrection. There's a promise 
connected to his incarnation. There's a promise connected to the fact that he ascended back into heaven. And those promises are what saves us. Namely, we believe the promises. So in regard to the crucifixion, we just don't believe that Jesus was crucified, period. No, we believe, teach, and preach that he was crucified to pay for our sins. That was the purpose of his incarnation, becoming human flesh in order that he might die for us. And even the wise men knew that when they brought embalming fluid as a gift for Mary. In other words, for many of the disciples, his family, and the apostles, they did not believe Jesus was God until after the resurrection. And things became much clearer then, particularly after they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the act of Pentecost had taken place. So when we preach the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to preach it doesn't mean that we just say, well, he rose from the dead. No, it means that our sins have been forgiven. And Paul goes on with that because he says after our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain if Christ has not been raised from the dead because the preaching of the forgiveness of sins is based on the historic fact that he has risen from the dead. So it's very important that the resurrection is understood in the context of the promises being given to us. So if Christ hasn't been risen from the dead, what has that got to do with our preaching? Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So, see, there's another ingredient to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's very clear that Christ did raise himself. He talks about, I have the power to let my life go, and I have the power to raise it up. Remember, he had this argument saying, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will rebuild it. He wasn't talking about the temple that Herod had put up. He was talking about his body. Jesus is the temple of God. And remember at the cross, the curtain tore open, which meant that God left the Holy of Holies, and now comes to us, not through a Holy of Holies, but through our bodies when we are baptized, and Christ is now in us. So, 
if we're talking about this wonderful promise and their gift of the resurrection from the dead, we would be misrepresenting God if God the Father also did not raise Jesus Christ from the dead. This is very similar to creation. Who created the world? Well, there's no doubt that John chapter 1 indicates that nothing was created that was not created by Jesus Christ. But from Genesis, it's very clear that the Father also and the Holy Spirit also were part of the creation of the world. So while nothing was created except through Jesus Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit cooperated in that creation. Similarly with the resurrection from the dead. Though Jesus raised himself from the dead because he is God, the Father and the Holy Spirit cooperated in that resurrection from the dead. So talking about the resurrection, we're not just talking about an historical event. Those who believe that if we can only prove that Jesus rose from the dead, then a person will have faith. But we've already seen the thief on the cross believed he had been crucified. A number of the Pharisees believed he rose from the dead, but they blamed the devil for doing this work. They did not recognize the true meaning of the crucifixion or the resurrection. We've talked about this for some time on Law and Gospel now, that it's one thing to have the Bible memorized, as did some of the scribes, but it's another thing to understand the insights of what you have memorized. And so a lot of times what a sermon is to do is give the insights as to why Jesus did what he did. We often use the feeding of the 5,000. Obviously, the people who were fed knew that Jesus had fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. But they didn't have the proper faith in what that meant. They thought he was a bread king, chased after him. They would love to make him king over Israel and get rid of the Romans, get nice houses, have all the food they wanted. And Jesus himself says, you saw the miracle, but you missed the sign. It's kind of like when you go get your driver's license, Uh, Sometimes they'll show you photos of specific signs. So if you see a sign with a cross or a slash against turning left, you'll know, oh, that sign means you're not allowed to turn left. But I think there's been two times that I didn't know what the sign meant. Uh, One time it had something to do with a train, and another time it had something to do with where you were able to turn. 
And later on, I had to look it up to see what the sign meant. In other words, you can know what the sign says, but you may not know what it means. A lot of people may even believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But proving to them that he rose from the dead saves nobody because there's a faith necessary behind that resurrection from the dead, which, of course, the unbelieving Pharisees did not have. And preaching the resurrection of the dead means to preach the promises connected to the resurrection of the dead. James talks about the devils believe and they shudder. Why? Because they believe he rose from the dead. They know that. But there is no promise connected for the devils to be saved by believing that resurrection from the dead. They don't believe the promises because they are not any promises for the devils namely the forgiveness of sins, and Jesus with them at all times. So you see, preaching the resurrection of the dead goes beyond just historic faith. It also includes saving faith that we believe he rose from the dead for our salvation. And therefore, if you testify that God did raise Christ when he did not raise him from the dead, then you are misrepresenting God. Uh, The lesson from last week was Isaiah had this vision of God, and he was very afraid because once you see God, death is the result if you are still a sinner. And he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. So what did one of the angels do? The angel flew to Isaiah with a burning coal from the altar, and he touched the lips of Isaiah, and he said, Your sin has been forgiven. Then when God asked, Who will go and be my messenger? Isaiah said, send me, send me. His whole attitude had changed because he now understood that what Jesus was going to be doing is taking care of his sins, paying the price for the sins, rising from the dead. Those are the promises connected to the resurrection from the dead. In verse 17, Paul continues, And if Christ has not been raised, what's he going to say next? Then the crucifixion and the resurrection didn't happen? No. He says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. How do we understand that? Well, the faith, and that's the word for trust in the promises of God, well, that's futile to believe that your sins are forgiven 
if Jesus is still in the grave. What's he doing in the grave? Well, he hasn't finished taking care of your sins. He has not been raised from the dead. He's still in the grave. And therefore, if he's still in the grave, your faith is futile. You, you may believe that your sins have been forgiven, but the guarantee for that forgiveness is that God the Father raised him from the dead. So the resurrection of the dead is an assurance to us, not that he rose from the dead, though we believe that, but that in that resurrection, it's a guarantee that our sins have been forgiven, that Christ's promises are sure, and therefore we are not futile in our sins. If you are futile in your sins or in your faith, it means that your faith is based on a false promise, namely that he was raised from the dead when he was not, and therefore you would still be in your sins. That's why Easter is so important. Not that the crucifixion is unimportant, but to believe that Jesus raised from the dead is to show that that's the purpose of the preaching of the raising from the dead, is that sins have been forgiven and the promises of Christ are yours. Now, there's another problem. If you don't believe that he rose from the dead, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. You understand what Paul is saying? We have hope at a funeral because we know that those of our loved ones who believe in Jesus are with Jesus in the spirit at the very moment that they die. And we have no fear that we will see them again when we die. And on judgment day, our bodies will be reunited with our spirit. These are all the items that are necessary for a faith that believes he rose from the dead. Not just historically that that's something that happened, but spiritually the promises of God came through. And therefore, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, and that's just a way of talking about those who have died here on earth, who are believers, then they also have perished. Verse 19 is really critical. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, that's what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. They had a hope in Christ, but only for this life. They thought he would be a bread king. They chased after him. They assumed that he would defeat the Romans, restore Israel to its former grandeur. Well, none of that was happening. And even though they believed he fed 5,000 people, that he healed many, many people, that he changed water into wine, 
they still had not grasped the meaning of those events that he is God and his promises are sure. So they had hope in Christ for this life alone and they are to be pitied because when you believe in the resurrection, you just don't believe that, oh yeah, he rose from the dead. No, you believe that in his resurrection is a guarantee that our sins have been forgiven and the promises of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. That's what a preaching from the dead means. So verse 20 concludes, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Now, does Paul stop there? No, he gives the preaching indication of why that's important. Because Christ has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits is not talking chronologically, because even Lazarus was raised from the dead before Jesus was. But the condition of raising anybody from the dead occurs because Jesus and his resurrection becomes the condition. So when someone says to you, oh, I I believe that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, you need to ask some questions as to what they mean by that. Do they just mean historically that happened? Or do they understand the spiritual promises connected to that wonderful gift of his being raised from the dead? That's why the resurrection is such a wonderful event. Why Easter is the high point of the Christian sermons. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel will take a hymn, look at a hymn, Songs of Thankfulness and Praise, and tie it in to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.